0: Welcome back to the Chicago Tomahawk. I'm Mike. I got my linemate Matt with me, and I got my center with me today, Jake. Hahn, how you doing, man?
1: Yeah, good to be uh, playing down the middle uh, with <laughs> with a couple couple of good uh, skilled wingers here, right? So we should be able to to, to make some magic. Hopefully, well, we can pot a couple here early.
0: Matt's usually the guy talking to his uh, talking to his post. That's his uh, that's his thing. You know, it's I, really I funny. Try. I'll, I'll try. try. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> I could try. <laughs> um, hey, Jake. I know that you're you're a hockey player. Do you do you have any um like any friends that are kind of like unique personalities that play?
1: It, to an extent, yeah. I, th- I think everybody in a way is sort of their own unique personality, right? Especially when you get as old, you know, into your 30s. Now playing hockey, everyone everyone's a bit of a character, or has uh, some sort of background to it. So yeah, we've we've got some pretty interesting uh, guys on the team for sure.
0: Do you normally play with the same guys, or do you, do you have guys who kind of come and go?
1: Yeah, we have we probably have a core group of about, I'd say, 8 to 10 guys that are almost always there. And then we've got a rotation of another, you know, 5 to 10 guys that are sort of in and out. And you've got your backups and, you know, you never know if you're going to need a goalie or something. So it's it's nice to have the, you know, connections with a few different guys that are able to step in. And as you guys know, people get busy, have commitments, especially in the summertime. It's It can be difficult to, to piece a team together and put, put enough guys on the ice. So it's it's nice to have options. Depth, uh, the, the depth chart, right? We're gonna be talking about depth uh, today, probably heading yeah, <laughs> right towards the trade deadline. So you always, you always want that depth in the organization. Three v three.
2: We don't have enough three v three. Yeah, so whatever J- you got.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, we, I've played a few games where we've had like four guys or five guys, like barely enough to ice the team. Those are those are never fun games. Wow. By the end of it. Dead. Yeah.
0: So, Jake, yeah. I want to know no, what's no, the uh, what's the temperature like in in Toronto.
1: Today it's actually quite nice. Today we're we're over even we're uh in terms of so we're we're dealing with Celsius here. So I guess for you guys, was it thirty two Fahrenheit is uh is zero Celsius? I right. think so. You're prob- we're probably looking at like forty something in the forties for you guys uh, okay. right now. It's 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 actually qu- it's actually quite nice. I went to the grocery store uh, before I talked to you guys. Went for a little walk, and it's it's nice compared to what it has been the last couple months.
0: So considering you know Toronto, uh, playoff time is coming up. I'm assuming that the temperature is around the 40 degree mark but, but it probably feels like 65 with the heat coming off of the team. What yeah. do you think is <laughs> uh, what, what what's going on with Toronto man? Like like how are things looking comparative yeah. to the beginning of the season?
1: Yeah, I well, they're not looking as good. I'll bluntly just say that. They're not the outlook isn't quite as good as it was, I would say. You know, around Christmas time, November, December, the Leafs were playing this style, and I might have been on with you guys at the time. They were playing this like lock-it-down style where they were winning games 3-1, 4-1, and they were really playing good defense. They were getting great goaltending from Jack Campbell at the time as well, and they were obviously scoring enough. We know that they have that firepower up front, and at some point, they just started getting away from that. I don't know if some of it's injury-related. I know they are missing Jake Muzzin on the blue line right now, which is a big piece back there, and they don't necessarily have the depth on the back end that maybe some other teams do so when they do lose a piece i think you see the effects taking place and then on the other side of the coin you're certainly not getting the goaltending jack campbell wasn't playing well now he's hurt and you're not you haven't been getting good goaltending from peter morazic all season so there's there's more question marks now than answers with this team and i think if you're a Leafs fan you're just hoping that this is sort of the dip, and that at some point late in the season, into the playoffs, they get back to that style of play that was giving them so much success in November and December. It's just you're you're kind of a, it's like a hope and a prayer at this point because I don't I don't know what else you can really do. But there's there's some major flaws with this team right now, and it's evident when you watch them.
0: Well, we're getting out of the dog days of the winter, and to be honest with you, I thought you know the dog days of the season are are pretty brutal. You know, you know there's no like it seems like the winners there's no end in sight. And um, and the, the games just kind of run run off to to each other. We're hitting the final stretch, and we're talking about you know the the, the pr- practically the playoff races for some teams, other teams that are trying to get in. If you're the GM of Toronto, they obviously have some some defensive holes that need to be fixed. And and as of recently, uh, maybe a hole at goalie. What would you do to try to right the ship of this team? Come come trade deadline.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a simple answer, but I do think that you are on the right track with with the two positions that you mentioned. I don't think you're really touching the forward group up front. You've got enough scoring. You can argue that they need a little bit more size and a little bit more grit, but I've always been of the mindset that you don't you don't add grit to your team. That's something that's built into your team that right. you, kind of comes from the top the the top down like skilled players can play gritty. You don't need to be, you know, a fourth line plug playing 8 minutes to be considered a gritty player. I think that's more of a team mindset. Than anything else so that would be low on the list for me if I was Kyle Dubas and just watching this team over the last month or so clearly goaltending is an issue I just don't know if th- there's a name out there that's really going to be a game changer for you unless you give up a ton which I don't think they're in a position to do and the salary cap's going to become an issue as well so I think goaltending is going to be tricky I-, I feel like you go out and you grab a value play and you just hope that you can catch lightning in a bottle with a goaltender that's maybe a little bit underrated. So that's how I would play that position. And you still could get Jack Campbell back. like He's week to week right now. I I think he's on track to come back in a couple of weeks. So maybe he gets healthy. Maybe he gets back into form uh, from the start of the season. So I think you can hope that the goaltending situation sorts itself out. And at the top of my list would just be going to get more defensemen, uh, whether that's one or two guys on the back end. I think... Helping out the goaltenders is the key to all of this. If they're able to insulate them just a little bit, uh, slow down those high danger chances, which they've been giving up a lot. If you watch their games, it's two-on-ones, odd man rushes constantly, and, and you're just not doing the goaltenders any favor. So I think defense has to be at the top of the list. Goaltending would be uh, right there as well.
0: Do you think, that's a, do you think that that's a system type of thing, Jake? Or do you think that's maybe like talent on the back end?
1: I think it's a little bit of both like the when you mentioned the system and um you know thinking back to how they were playing early in the season at times it was almost boring, but it was effective. Like, I'm watching Leaf games and I'm thinking, okay, they're not the most exciting team right now, but they're winning games. And I don't, I think that's all the fan base would really want at the end of the day. Like, they don't need to be the most entertaining team. They just want the wins. Uh, they just want the productivity. So, I was curious if they were ever going to get away from that. Like, the, is is this Leafs team the team that we're going to see come playoff time and late in the season? And now, you know, we're sitting here a couple months left of the season and they've completely gotten away from that. So, I do think the, the system is a big part of it and i also just don't think they have the pieces to maybe execute the system that they want to execute or the system that was giving them so much success uh back early in the season so and and again like you're not going to go out and get a top pairing defenseman or a guy that's going to be Uh, playing huge, huge minutes on your back end. Those guys just really aren't available. There's not many of them, and it's going to be difficult for the Leafs to make it work under the cap. So I really think, like, you know, everyone wants them to make a move, and in a perfect world, you can fix every hole. But in a salary cap world and with where the Leafs are, it's just unrealistic. So I think, unfortunately for them, a lot of what they need fixed has to come in-house. It has to be the players that are already there. It has to be the core that's already in place there. Those are the guys that are really going to have to make the change.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that you make a really good point because if if they can't fix these defensive, you know, defensive woes in a way, they're gonna need to they're gonna need to look at Matthews to start putting up, you know, two goals a game, you know, minimum and, and mark to contribute so that they're putting up, you know, not them two alone, but the offense putting up maybe four or five goals a game and then just trying to hang on for wins, uh, in, in a way.
1: So, yeah and, and when when you're really looking at it like they they paid Morgan Riley big money, they gave him the big extension, and right. he's paid as a number one defenseman i I think Morgan Riley's great. I just don't think that he can do it all himself back there. And, and, you know, most of my point is just that when we get close to the deadline and we see teams like Toronto who we think are close to being contenders that maybe need that one piece, I think sometimes we overrate what the deadline can be. Like, you've put this core in place. You know, you're paying all these guys big, big money. You've got your Matthews, your Marner, Tavares, Nylander up front. You, you paid Morgan Riley to be your number one guy. You, you thought at one point this year you had a number one goaltender in Jack Campbell. Maybe that's come into question now. But you had all the pieces in place. I just I don't know who you're going to go get over the next week or so. That's really going to push you over the edge or make a mm-hmm. difference without giving up, uh, you know, crazy uh, pieces or a lot of draft picks or, or losing something on your current roster.
0: You know, just uh, I just I'm going to bring this up just so we can cycle back to this just for one one second. You know, the Blackhawks are have had a very how do you say. I don't want to say entertaining season but it's been definitely one for the books if you're looking on the, on the outside in you know as if at one point you didn't mm. think that things could get, get any worse. We have a GM now and you know we're we're headed in what I would consider the right direction. Marc Andre Fleury when he came to Chicago he made a deal with the GM Stan Bowman at the time that he would be willing to play and not retire if he wasn't moved it was a bit it was a handshake deal and Kyle Davidson who is the GM of the Chicago Blackhawks now has said that he's going to honor that deal that was done with with Mark Andre Fleury now, the Blackhawks have, uh, I would probably say, two chips, Marc-Andre Fleury and uh, Calvin DeHaan right now, as p- as possible players that other teams could be looking for to kind of add on defense or, in Marc-Andre Fleury, possibly be that goalie to kind of take them over the top. Um, I'll use Edmonton as an example that even if they took both players, I don't think that that would take them over the top. But maybe Toronto could use, you know, a Marc-Andre Fleury or even a Calvin DeHaan to come in there and kind of maybe shore up the defense a little bit. Do you think that either of these players would be a good fit in Toronto? Package deal.
1: I think... Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. Anything's possible, and I I feel like the pressure is getting cranked up with basically every game that the Leafs play and the goaltending issues and the defensive issues that they've had recently. So it's kind of a a tricky time for all of this to happen. Like, if they were playing really well right now, they were playing that tight structure— maybe everybody be, would be singing a different tune. So I, I think you have to be careful if you're the Leafs. You don't want to panic too much and get yourself into a situation where you're giving up assets and you're giving up picks for something that might really not push you over the edge. It's it's hard for me to envision Marc-Andre Fleury going to Toronto and playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but, uh, it, it, I mean, it's feasible. It would be a little bit tricky for them to to make it work under the cap because he is owed $7 million this season, so maybe the Blackhawks yeah, would have to routine, eat some of that yeah. coming, coming back yeah, there's, there's ways uh, to, to make something like that work. But I, I almost think that a guy like Calvin DeHaan would be the piece that they would probably be more interested in because I think he'd probably be a bit more affordable. And I really think it does start with the blue line. It starts with team defense. Like, I don't care which goaltender you put back there. If you put Marc-Andre Fleury on the Leafs right now with how they're playing defensively, the odd man rushes that they're giving up, yeah, he's better than what they have. But I still don't think that it would be enough to win them a Stanley Cup. And, and ultimately, that's got to be their only goal right now.
0: Moving on to Edmonton, I think that their woes are maybe a little bit more. They had a, a stretch a little bit ago, a nice winning stretch a little bit ago. What do you think Edmonton needs to do to take themselves? Because I think that they were, you know, because of um, Connor McDavid they're always considered a favorite. And with Leon Dreisaitl, he's for somehow, you know, he's kind of the, the Scottie Pippen to Michael Jordan. I'm not comparing, I'm not saying McDavid is, uh, is Michael Jordan. I'm just saying kind of like the, he kind of plays second fiddle to him a little bit, but I would, I would consider Dreisaitl one hell of a player in his own right. Do you think that Edmonton has any hope to get out of the first round this season?
1: I could maybe buy one round for the Oilers, but that's probably as far as I would go. And I've never, I've really never been a believer in this team and how it's constructed. Like we know they have this, this, these great talented players up front. Connor McDavid, probably the best player in the world. Leon Drysaddle's right up there as well. I actually like a lot of what they have on the back end as well. I think Darnell Nurse is really good, and um, Evan Bouchard's looked pretty nice this season on the back end. Uh, The goaltending position is just it leaves so much to be desired. I think it's even worse than than the Maple Leafs' position in terms of what they have in goal. We've seen Miko to play some decent games here recently, but is he really somebody that we think is going to go in 16 games for them in the spring? And Mike Smith's another guy that we've seen get hot and cold, but he's almost 40 years old. Like, I don't know what you're expecting back there. And <laughs> I think they, they're kind of getting what they deserve. Like, in the offseason, the big topic with the Edmonton and what I was saying on all of our shows was that you know, how are you not in the market for a goaltender? And I'm sure they were in the market. Maybe they just missed out on the guys that they wanted to get, and, and they sort of got left empty-handed. And okay, we're I guess we're just going to roll with Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith. But you have Connor McDavid, the best player in the world playing in his prime years like these are the prime years for Connor mcdavid he's 25 years old he's got a lot of prime left like he's he's by no means slowing down and you're going to have a, a still a bigger window where Connor mcdavid is in these prime years but you need to capitalize on each and every one of these years and you need to be going for it and you need to have a at least a some sort of a, a stable goaltending position and they just don't have that so for me they're a team that's easy to match up uh, against if you're one of the top teams in the league like they can look at Edmonton. And the lines 2, 3, and 4, I think whoever they're playing is going to feel comfortable going up against those, those lines. And it's just trying to slow down Connor McDavid as much as possible. And I just think they're an easy matchup for deep teams uh, in the league, regardless of what they do at the goaltending position. So I don't really look at, at Edmonton as a true threat, even if they do make the playoffs.
0: Me and Matt have pretty much seconded your, your sentiment exactly. You know, we, we just don't see this team going anywhere, even with McDavid, McDavid and, and Dreisleidel. Because... If you shut if you shut that line down, you shut the entire team down, because they're not going to do anything after yeah. that. Come this summer, I I think that, you know, they're not going to make it out of the first round if they you know what they make it. Do you think that uh, Ken Holland's going to have a job, or you know, even more importantly, should he have a job?
1: Yeah, that that is an important question, and I think that it le- it at least has to has to be thrown out there, right? Like that topic has to be brought up there. I just. Uh, again he hasn't even really been there for that long there's been a couple different general managers there a bunch of different coaches there at some point you want some stability at some point you do want some consistency but I question some of the moves that he's made and on the other side of it I question some of the moves that he hasn't made I think though that's more of what worries me right not going out and getting a goaltender just kind of leaving that position up in the air when you have the best player in the world in Connor McDavid to me just doesn't seem right so uh, I do think that that question will have to be asked uh, come the offseason. Maybe they surprise us in the playoffs and they do at least win a round. I, I would personally love to see Edmonton, Calgary in the second round. It looks like Calgary <laughs> is going to finish first in that Pacific division. And, you know, let's just say Edmonton does lock down that three spot, they get LA in the first round. I love the Kings. I think that they're on the up and up and, and I, I really like what they've done this year but they're beatable in, in the first round. They're by no means uh, uh, you know, just going to run through Edmonton so maybe the Oilers upset the Kings and maybe we do get that Battle of Alberta in the second round which I think would be a lot of fun. Uh, people in Canada would certainly love that, that matchup between those two sides but I don't see Edmonton beating the Flames in that series if that does uh, indeed come to fruition. So I think that there's like a, a cap on how far that they can go here and again I'm always willing to be surprised. I'm always willing to be proven wrong that's the beauty of the nhl that's the beauty of watching the playoffs when it rolls around but it's just it's really difficult for me to see the oilers going through that side of the bracket and they're sitting in a playoff spot right now guys but it, the only reason they're sitting in that spot is because vegas has just gone full flaps like if you look at the oilers <sighs> yeah. last 10 games they've won they've won four of their last 10 games so it's not like the oilers are hot to to track down this playoff spot it's just because vegas is plummeting down the standings that oh, by default somebody they're, has to be third right to... now
0: Big trouble. They're like oh, Maple Leaf dude. trouble. Yeah. yeah. Matt, why don't you yeah. go ahead and take Even over worse, with the, take over with Vegas?
2: Well, I heard something today that I was laughing. I think it was actually Kevin Weeks saying Vegas needs to call Marc-Andre Fleury and apologize and get him <laughs> back immediately Kiss because up. they're in big trouble. Yes. So I don't know what your thoughts about that are. I think that they should get a goalie because you don't know about Leonard his status so I think I'd be very aggressive yeah. to get one
1: yeah I, I think the bridge has been burned with Marc-Andre Fleury so I, I don't I don't see them going to that route but a goaltender in general I could certainly see them making some sort of move there to solidify that position because like you said the health of Robin Leonard is a question mark you certainly can't trust the combination of Laurent Brossois and Logan Thompson that's that's not winning you a Stanley Cup anytime soon but I, I'm curious if Vegas looks at this and, and gets realistic and says, okay, we made the Jack Eichel move. He's 25. It's his first year here. He hasn't even played a full year. Like, he's played like three weeks with us. We got him under contract for a long time. We're still trying to build towards something here. Do we just chop this up to an injury riddled season that just got off the rails? And I know it's going to look bad if they miss the playoffs. Like, everyone's going to be, what's wrong with Vegas? Like, is, is, it, is, it, is, is what they've built the right thing? But I think you can realistically look at this if you're the management for Vegas and just say, man, we've had so many guys out of the lineup. We've, we've still never had our fully healthy lineup with Jack Eichel in it and all the surrounding parts. Do we just kind of crumple it up, move on, and we try to figure out the goaltending position in the offseason when it's much easier to make a move like that? I'm, I'm really curious how they handle this next week. I think Vegas is a very interesting team to, to watch.
0: All right, guys, a quick word from our sponsor. If you're looking to place bets and want to do it as the action rules in, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for our team means free bets for you, and we need all the wins that we can get. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prices with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Now, if you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use our promo code SHYTOMAHOCK, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code shy Tomahawk at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older restrictions apply. So see the sh- show notes for details. Now back to the podcast. Jake, I would, I would 100% go that route, especially considering, you know, where you're at with the cap because, you know, Mark Stone is injured right now. You've got Jack Eichel, you know, and... And you you hit the nail on the head, all of the injuries that they've had this season. It's like, you know what, why don't we just cut our losses? Whoever's hurt right now, let's get them healthy. What kind of care do they need? You know, we, we don't need guys hobbling in on one leg coming into play, you know, especially what they do have a good team. You know, they're just, everybody's just, just hurt. Matt, would you would you just, say, throw the season away and put everybody on injured reserve, make sure everybody gets uh, gets healthy, have a good summer, and then come in strong at the beginning of uh, next season camp?
2: Yes, I would, but is that owner okay with that? I know that owner is very Stanley Cup hungry, and he's been waiting and waiting and waiting and, you know, getting close and getting bounced, and I know he's very anxious to get that cup. So I don't know if that would be cool with him, or I mean, it's something to think about. Because I know that he really wants that cup, and every year it's just getting longer and longer. He said three to five years, and everyone laughed at him, you know. But now, I mean, is this their fourth or fifth year? I think it's their fifth so, year. Yeah, he, I, I. That's what you want out of an owner. You want a guy going for it every year. So I, I that's up to Foley and the hockey ops, I guess.
0: Yeah. You know, I I mean, yeah, you do want, you do want an owner that's hungry, but at the same time, you don't want an owner that's, you know, kind of hovering over the, you know, the hockey ops department, you know, because that's what they're there for. He should be going in there saying, okay, guys, what's, what's the deal here? You know, and them saying, Hey, you know what, we're going to need to chop it up because this is where we're at right now. You know, and uh maybe we'll do a couple two for one deals to sell some more tickets, you know, or whatever. Because that's what it really comes down to. It's it's selling tickets, selling merchandise, making money, uh, so that you could feel the good team and putting something out on on the on the ice that makes the the fans happy. And if you're if you're uh, you know, if you come forward, you know, to the fans and tell them, like, hey, look, this is what's going on this year. It's not gonna happen, but you know what? We're gonna be back stronger than ever the next year, you know. Uh, the diehards the people that buy the merchandise the people that watch the games that listen on the radio that bet on vegas in vegas and who show up to games you know i think that they would buy that
1: yeah and i i I think too sometimes you just got to take your medicine right and this has been and we see this happen to teams all the time in professional sports where you just get uh, you just get dealt a tough hand and you just get injuries and you know, you can never seem like you can really get fully healthy. We still haven't seen Jack Eichel play with a healthy Max Pacioretty and a healthy Mark Stone and a healthy goaltending situation. I'd even question whether guys like Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo are healthy on the back end. It just, uh, they don't look right right now. So I don't know if one or both of them are dealing with some injuries, but it just feels like they've, they've caught some really tough breaks in the injury department this year. And you don't always want to use that as an excuse. And I'm by no means a Vegas Golden Knights fan trying to make excuses for them, but that's the reality, is, is they've just been really banged up this year. They still have a good core group of players. They still have a team that I think when fully healthy going into next year, or if they can even get healthy going into this year's playoffs, assuming they do make it, can do some damage. It's just It just doesn't feel like their year, the way things have gone right now. And it would be incredible. That Jack Eichel still can't find a way to play playoff hockey in the NHL. Like he escaped yeah. Buffalo, finally got out of there after all those years. Comes to Vegas, where for sure he was going to at least make the playoffs, right? There was right. That, that wasn't even a question on anybody's mind. Now here we are, you know, inching close to to the playoffs, inching close to the trade deadline, and they're they're currently out of a spot, and that and that's being brought into question. So you do in a way feel bad for Jack Eichel. Like he's like, what do I got to do to play a playoff game around here?
0: You know, Jake, <laughs> with with Jack, do you think that maybe you know? he had his surgery. It was obviously very successful. You know, he's worked himself back. Do you think that maybe this is maybe a good time, you know, like, like I said, to, like you said, to just take your medicine to just let him play and and just let him play out the rest of the season, have a healthy summer, and then let him come in strong for the, um, you know, let him come in strong for camp, you know, kind of like an extended somewhat rehab considering this is your $10 million man. Well, I
1: think this was always going to be a difficult spot for Jack Eichel to come into because of the just the injury that he was coming off of. He comes into Vegas. The thing I think that was originally working in his favor was that he was going to come to Vegas and not be a secondary player. Because I would never want to call Jack Eichel a secondary player, but sort of a he's, he'd have surrounding pieces. He'd actually have help like he didn't have in Buffalo, where he'd have Mark Stone there, he'd have Max ready there, and now things have totally flipped where those guys aren't healthy. And Jack Eichel comes into this situation and not only is he coming off of a a crazy surgery and a bad injury... But he has the the entire weight of the team and the pressure on his shoulders to be the 20-minute guy every single night and to be the guy that needs to score late in the game. And obviously, that's why they brought him in, and you want him to be that guy uh, in the present and in the future. But it's a lot to put on a guy that, that's coming back from injury. So I, I think it just didn't really work out the way that Vegas had it mapped out in their mind, and now we're seeing him put into a, a pressure situation. So I'm just curious from a personal standpoint how he handles this, because we talk about him never playing... Playoff games before he's never even really played like playoff contention games late in the season. Buffalo's never even close to the playoffs late in the year. Their season's usually done by New Year's, so (laughs) this is a kind of newfound, newfound territory for him, right? Playing big games in a playoff race. I'm curious how he handles it. Maybe he handles it really well and he steps up here and he leads Vegas to a playoff spot, or maybe he folds a little bit under that pressure because it's not something that he's felt. I think either way, it's good that he is playing some kind of high-pressure games in the NHL because that'll only benefit him going into next year and, and the rest of this contract with Vegas.
0: You know, Detroit is a team that me and Matt have grown up hating, but we can't help but love the way that the team is being ran under Stevie Eiserman. Uh, one player that stands out to, to both of us is is Mo Sider. What do you think of this kid? Mm.
1: Rookie Unbelievable! Of the year. I think he's been. Yeah, I think I totally agree. I think he's been the best rookie this year. I don't know if he's actually going to win the award because I never know how the voting process is going to go and who's going to win. But if I had a vote, I'm voting for Mo Sider. When I watch games and I watch all these teams, he's the one that impresses me the most for what he's doing. When you factor in his age, when you factor in the minutes that he's playing, the position he's playing, the fact that he doesn't have a still a whole ton of help uh, on Detroit, even though they are building this thing up. I'm. have just, just been so so thoroughly impressed by what he's been able to do as a 20-year-old back there. So Mo Sider would have my vote, and I, I think Red Wings fans should be very very excited about him moving forward. And yeah, and Stevie, why we trust is is kind of the slogan <laughs> yeah. around Detroit, I think. And yeah, I, I don't blame them for that. He he does seem to know what he's doing, and he's had a very very patient approach here. And I'm I'm curious when that patience you know turns into aggressiveness, and when does Detroit? And Stevie Y, look at this thing and say, okay, we've got most cider. Maybe we found our number one blue line or our possible Norris Trophy candidate um, on the back end. Lucas Raymond looks like a great young, skilled player to, to throw up front with, uh, with Dylan Larkin. We're finally seeing Jake Verana healthy again playing hockey. Maybe he turns into a nice piece up front, still a relatively young player. You've got all these nice pieces, and when does he start to possibly dip into free agency and make those moves and maybe bolster the lineup and bring in a veteran and say, hey, we're, we're actually ready to compete in the Atlantic Division. I'm curious if that happens as soon as this offseason or if uh, Stevie White continues to play the patient approach and really wait this thing out.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I think that he's going to wait one more year. And then I think that he might yeah. turn it up a little bit. Uh, Steve I think Steve Austerman has always been a a patient um uh, I would even a patient player. You know, he didn't just he, he wasn't like a hard charging player. He scored a lot of goals, but I think that he mm-hmm. he had like an assertive aggressiveness where it wasn't that he was just, you know, just going balls to the walls. You know, I think that he's always had a calculated approach. He clearly has a calculated approach as a general manager. And I think that they um, they have a really great piece there in, in Mo Sider. You would think that this kid's been playing for five years or so, you know, and yeah. he just seems to be putting it together really, really fast. And me and Matt have been talking about Drafting and and how important it is to organizations uh, to build because uh, do you guys know when he was drafted?
2: I uh, wasn't it two three years ago and they laughed at Stevie Y because yeah he, they did he, yeah they were like yeah. what is this and like he the guy knew he was what he the, was he doing was the twenty yeah. nineteen draft okay yeah.
0: but I mean was he was like a yeah, second 20, or third rounder wasn't he first rounder but they first, he yeah, was projected goal, six like six it was the Jack two, Hughes draft oh, yeah. okay.
2: He was projected to go like what, 16 to 20? And I think Stevie Y took him a lot earlier, and people were like, wow, really? Mm. Yeah, it was considered a bit
1: of a reach at that point, I, I yeah. believe, when that when that pick was made. And there was a couple of other defensemen on the board at the time. I, I, th- I believe Bowen and Byron went a couple picks ahead of Mo Sider, Fourth. and then yeah. uh, other defensemen. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then Broberg was in the mix, and Victor Soderstrom was in the mix, uh, who ended up going to Arizona. So there was a couple of other defensemen that a lot of people seemed to like, scouts seemed to like, and the Red Wings ended up going with Mo Sider. And when they made that pick, like I I don't pretend to know a ton about these prospects. Like we have prospect ex- experts that come on that watch these guys a lot and there were a couple yeah. guys that, that that came on and and said, you know, watch out for Mo Sider. Like this is a great pick by the Red Wings and when I th- hear that from them, you know, people that I trust. And I also see, you know, Steve Weiserman, Iserman making this pick in his team. Y- you feel like there's something there. Like you, you almost <laughs> yeah. do trust him in that pick. And, and clearly there was something there because it's we're, a we're seeing yep. it uh, come to fruition now. Yeah.
0: It's really incredible, Jake, how, you know, uh, how these guys can look at players and say, yeah, he's going to, he's going to be great. And you just don't see it yet, you know? And, you know, sure enough, you know, these guys come in and they, and they play really well. Then you have other guys who are, you know, kind of destined to be great players, and you know they—they really—they really don't show up at first.
1: Yeah, and I think sometimes it, the if that comes down to organizations too, right? Like how you manage your asset. It's one thing to draft a player, and then how do you use them? Do you rush them in too quickly, or do you play that patient approach, like the Red Wings seem to do? Who are you surrounding them with? What's the, what's the head coaching situation? There's so many variables for these young players coming in. And then when it doesn't work out with them in the first few years, we get so impatient and say, well, okay, that, that pick didn't work out. That's a bust. And then you <laughs> see them Black go Hawks somewhere thing. else <laughs> and have, to, have some success. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm sure you could pick a, a situation yeah, like that know, from almost any team. But it's, it's, just, it, it's just one of those things where I think there's so many working factors uh, besides just making the right pick at the draft.
2: Definitely a Detroit thing. They... They know how to draft ever since Kenny Holland. I mean, they, yeah, Henrik Zetterberg. What was he like, fifth round? He was oh, sixth yeah. round. God, come on. Yeah, they always seem to find those jabs. Yeah. Datsuk was sixth, yeah.
0: was a sixth round pick, too. I think the year before. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Which actually wasn't uh, where when was Linds, Lindstrom drafted? I'm not sure.
2: I, I'm I, I'm sure he was high. I'm going to look he was that very, up. Yeah, he was, So, Jake. I, bl- I believe he was
1: a third. I think he was a third round pick. Can he you imagine from, that? So third round out, pick. Like, yeah. He's yeah.
0: one of the best defensemen to ever play the game. <laughs> mm, yeah. Not bad,
2: eh? <laughs> Detroit. <laughs> that's oh, that's my gosh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, Jake, Matt's going to. We're going to do like a little uh, kind of rundown of players where you think that they're going to end up type of a thing. Matt's going to run down the players. And you just give us your, uh, you know, your opinion of where you think they're going to go, man.
2: All right. Well All right, my favorite yeah. my favorite pick or my favorite like big name circulating right now is Claude Giroux. I know he's yeah. almost at a thousand games mm-hmm. if he's not already there. Where do you think he's gonna end up?
1: Am I allowed to am I allowed to say Philly? Can I say Philly sure. or do I have to put yes. him somewhere else? Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Philly. I, I think he wow. stays. I think he stays with the Flyers. I, I just he's, I feel like and he's uh, he's approaching on a thousand games now as well. I, I, I don't know. I just think that the asking price for Claude Giroux, trying to fit him in, if I'm, like, if I'm a team trading for Claude Giroux right now, he's a great piece, obviously, but to bring him into the room and for what he would command in terms of playing time, something in the top six, Like personally, I would love to see Claude Giroux get moved to a contender because I like him as a player. I would like to see him playing playoff games this year. I, I just think he, he remains a flyer uh, through the rest of this season, and we'll see what happens uh, in terms of free agency this offseason
2: let me ask you this though so there's four teams that are linked to him colorado boston florida actually i'm sorry oh yeah st louis and carolina my favorite pick would be carolina because i think he would it would he's like a rod brendamore type of player i don't know about you can you pick one from that those cities I can
1: get there with Carolina, and he would—I mean, they've got so many nice pieces there with the Canes. But at the same time, I I just like the Canes how they are, so I'd almost be fine with them just sort of standing pat. I think Boston's the team that really jumps out to me as somebody that whenever I see a player like this that is able to play the middle of the ice—obviously, Claude Giroux is a bit of a versatile player. He can play the middle of the ice. He can play the wing as well. But with the Bruins' needs, and they certainly still need help— at that second line center position, and you know who knows, maybe they could play him on the wing or something like that, depending on how they want to order their lineup. I think the Bruins are, are a team that would interest me a little bit in in terms of making a move like that.
2: Okay, well, how about Mark Giordano?
1: Ooh, Gio. Yeah, where can we put? Can we put Gio back on the Flames? Is can can we make that happen? I'm. I, I feel I'm like hoping. I feel like if that move yeah. was going to happen, they might have made it already though cuz the, the I, flames the flames jumped out in front of it a couple weeks ago obviously making that Tyler fully move. Great and I trade. love when teams yes. do that to just say, yeah, it was a great trade and it's uh, it's already paid off dividends with how how he's played for Calgary so far, but I love when a team does that and says, "Hey, you know, we've got a need, we got a guy that we want to target. Let's get out in front of this thing. Why why do we have to wait to the deadline to make this deal? Like we can just make this deal now, give him extra time to get acclimated with his line mates, get comfortable here, and, and clearly that deal is working out." So, I'm curious if maybe that was their Plan all along to just say, "Hey, we know uh, that we want to get this guy, and then maybe we can see what we're doing uh, closer to the deadline, and maybe make another move." So uh, Giordano back to the Flames. Just just wishful I like thinking it. because I'd like <laughs> to see that happen. Yeah, I th-
2: I think he deep down in his heart he wants to be back with the flames too yeah so oh, especially seeing what they're doing this year right yeah. like he must oh, be it's,
1: it's, you know oh, i was there for last. so long i was ricky bobby first yeah number. and then all of a sudden <laughs> yeah all of a sudden you go to an expansion team yeah. and you're dead you're dead last and you're watching your old buddies and you're watching the flames do what they're doing this year it's got to be a little bit bittersweet right i think you're probably happy for your your old teammates to an extent but you're also like man i'd, I'd rather be playing those games right now than playing for a you know Basement, basement team that's going nowhere. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm sure he would be on the, the first flight to Calgary if he
2: had the chance. Well, this is Mike's favorite player ever, Phil <laughs> Kessel. Where is he going?
1: Oh, Hot dog Phil. I love I, – i love phil and again we just did the giordano back to back to calgary conversation we could link we could link phil to a couple of his old teams we could link him to boston we could link him to toronto i don't see toronto happening i just i just don't think that the leafs are in a position to go and get uh, phil kessel but i do think the interesting part about phil is the asking price for arizona seems so low i i rumored that it was only a third round pick for phil kessel like Who's not? Who doesn't have a third-round pick they can give up for Phil Kessel? Yeah. Like, come on! And you know, seeing what he's done over the numbers don't pop off the page. Uh, obviously, for Arizona over the past couple of years for Phil, but he hasn't had great line mates. He's been limited in his ice time. I I think put in the right position, whether that's in a second line role or a third line role with skilled players, I think Phil Kessel could do some major damage. So. I would actually look at one of the bubble teams as a team that possibly goes and gets a Phil Kessel, like a team that is sort of in it, but you know, not unsu- not sure they're actually in it, maybe chasing down a playoff spot. I'd look at one of those teams uh, to possibly go for a Phil Kessel because, the, yeah, maybe a Rangers or even like a Canucks or something like that that's like out of the playoffs right now, just, just as a team, because I think it's one of those moves that you can make that you're not you're not going to kill yourself over it's it's a third round pick you give up for Phil Kessel okay if it doesn't work out we miss the playoffs so be it we we tried we, at least we didn't have to spend a first round pick so I would look for those teams kind of hovering around the playoff mix to to possibly be in on, on a Phil Kessel but hey maybe maybe we see him reunited uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins as well there's, cool. a, there's another yeah. team to sort of throw out there I'd love to see Phil go back to Pittsburgh
2: I'll give you one more here. And we got a, it's it's a Blackhawk, and you know we we're, we weren't big fans of him. You know, I think we've <laughs> talked to you so many times. We've been pretty hard on him, but you know what? He's been playing great as of late. Dylan Strome. Oh, oh, what a what a resurgence by Dylan
1: Strome! Over, I, I'm glad you brought him up because I wanted to, to talk to you guys about him. But he's, <laughs> you wanted to he's rub helping it me in. out in fantasy right now. I, I, yeah, well, I picked him up in all my fantasy leagues because he's got this great line assignment, and he's, he's absolutely Kaner, crushing it right Kaner now. Kaner so and Ken, that's why. I'm happy, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I hope he doesn't get traded now. I just want him to stay on that line the rest of the year and help me win <laughs> my, my fantasy playoffs. Just keep racking up those points with Kaner.
0: <laughs> yeah. Ten points in his last that, three games. Do uh, you think the yeah, Hawks resign sign him or move him?
1: yeah. Yeah, I, well, you guys are probably be in a better position to, to answer that than I would. But with with how he's playing right now, like just getting a glimpse of him over the past couple of weeks, I know it, you don't want to get too ahead of yourself over just a, a couple weeks stretch of hockey. But yep. he look he looks pretty good, and he's he's playing with good players. Maybe he's found something there. I don't know. I, again, you don't want to, to, to just give him a huge deal based off of a, a couple of weeks where he gets really hot, but I think it's something to think about if you're the Blackhawks because he's still a relatively young player, and if he's showing you promise, maybe you do look at him as a, a possible piece to your future here.
0: So the problem with, with Dylan Strom is that he has to play with DeBrinkit and he has to play with Kane, two of the best players in the league. If you put him with guys that are not as skilled, his upside and yeah. his production goes through the bottom of the barrel that's the problem with 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 Dylan Strom and it, it it's not a knock on him you know it's just it's just the way that he is that's the player that he is and on top of that he's th- his game and the type of player that he is he has to play on those top two lines kind of like how we had with Alexander Nylander, a prospect that we had th- the type of game that he had he had to play on the top two lines but the problem was he just wasn't good enough to so if you put someone like Nylander or Strom on the bottom lines they're just going to flounder because it's not their type of game and uh, i mean t- yeah that's just what that's just my opinion though
1: yeah, and they're not necessarily play drivers. Like, you don't look at Dylan Strom as a guy that's going to drive his own line. But I do think there's something to the fact that he can play with skilled players and that he's showing that promise because those can even be tough to find, right? Like, the right line mate for a Patrick sure. Kane or the right line mate for one of these top end players. It's nice to have that piece. Not a piece that you want to pay a lot of money, though. Not a piece that you want to mm-hmm. break the bank for because I think you could find those guys a lot easier than you can find those top end play drivers that don't seem to come along very often.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, out of the what fourteen years Patrick Kane has played for the Blackhawks, dude, I don't think that there's been anybody who hasn't <laughs> who hasn't been able to play yeah. with this guy. You know, he's just the once of schmaltz. It, it's 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 absolutely incredible, man. How how Kaner can just make everybody uh, make everybody better. You know, the other day he set up Strom for a um, for a one timer. You know, he came from behind the net. He didn't even look, dude, and he saucered it across the the Royal Road, and 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 Strome had a one timer, dude. I was like, are you freaking kidding me, dude? This He's got two Guys Two, like, two like Thirty four. You gotta be ready. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's You gotta that's be ready for anything when when Caner's out there.
0: That's what he said. He goes once you think that the puck isn't gonna come to you, somehow Kaner can just sauces it over, you know, three sticks, you know, and then there is another wow. play where he had the the puck came towards him, he was skating, he hit it. Like off of his back right skate, it went through somebody. He got the puck, p- put it through an in between another guy's legs, and then set up somebody somebody else's goal. It was just incredible. You know, they showed it in slow motion, and it was incredible. And watching it in in real time, it's like, is like, is it, is everything just in slow motion for this guy? Uh, me and Matt were talking. We think Kander's going to be a point per point per game player until he retires. Uh, kind of like how Nick Lindstrom was. You know, a a top tier player up until the day he retired, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be Caner.
1: And I think once those guys, once he gets to a point where he isn't a point per game player anymore, whenever that time does come, that's probably when a player like that says, okay, it's time to hang it up. Like if I can't be myself, if I can't be that dominant player anymore, and I'm starting to struggle out there. I don't want to just be doing this for the sake of doing this. So yeah. I, I feel like that's when you usually see those superstar players, you know, pack it in because they're like, okay, you know i'm not, I'm not the player that I once was. My numbers are clearly down, but that's not happening for Kaner right now. He still looks like he's very much at the top of his game.
0: You know, it's funny that you mentioned that Wayne Gretzky has an interesting uh interesting quote because they asked him, you know like, why are you retiring? You could play another year. He goes, well I. I only I only scored nine goals this year. You know that typically, you know yeah. that was a good weekend for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a good That's night sometimes. <laughs> and, and you know yeah. what, dude Wayne Gretzky in his last year in his twentieth season had nine goals and fifty three assists. He was a point per player person at the on his last uh, on his last season. That's incredible. Yeah, he took the wow. play the playbook yeah. out of Adam Amazing. Oates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt, you got anything else, man? No, I don't. Uh, Go ahead. Finish it up. Jake, man, uh, I'll tell you what. Is there anything else that you want to you want to throw out there?
1: No, I'm just excited for the the end of the season. This is always a, a fun time of the year. I'm I'm not the hugest trade like I, I enjoy trades, but I'm more of a like watch the game type guy more so than a news breaking type guy. I just love to watch and analyze the actual game. So once the trade deadline passes, you can kind of put all those rumors behind you, and you just move on and you get ready for what I think is the most exciting time of the year: the playoff races. Maybe they're not as as tight as we would hope, uh, specifically in the Eastern Conference, but it does look like. We're getting a great race in the West, and we should get some really nice playoff matchups this year. So I'm I'm just looking forward to to getting into it. We're entering into a, a fun part of the the hockey calendar, fun part of the sports calendar in general. With March Madness coming, I, I'm a big golf fan. So you got Matt, the Masters around the corner, oh, baseball yeah. season. You know they, they they actually figured something out. So it's a fun time of the year to be a sports <laughs> fan. The the days are getting longer. We're daylight savings time now, so it's it, it's a nice time. Uh, a nice time to be a sports fan.
0: It is, man. You know, 100. You know, I'm a golf fan too and I'll be honest with you. I love it when, you know, if I could just lay on the couch for a little bit and throw some golf on and watch it. I mean, it's just it's the same thing as baseball, essentially. Yeah, you know. you fall asleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like some of the uh, I'm I'm a robo ump guy, man. I I'm I'm pulling for robo umps.
1: <laughs> yeah, team robo umps. I'm <laughs> sure <laughs> it won't be long into the baseball season before I'm on your side again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what, man? I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing Uh, Florida and Carolina and seeing what happens with these two teams because we're talking about two teams that are are looking to really be contenders take that next step the only thing that helped Carolina back last year with Toronto I mean I'm sorry with Tampa Bay was that they couldn't stay out of the penalty box if they could have stayed out of the penalty box I think that they could have turned that that series around I'm curious to see how, um, how the playoffs uh, turn out for them this year, see if they've grown as a team and uh, see if they could take it a step further. And to be honest with you, th- them and the and Florida might be on a collision course. I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens with that.
1: Well, a Tampa-Florida rematch, I think in the second round is what all of us want. We, we saw that first round series last year. We got a taste of it. I thought Florida put up a good fight. There were some really exciting games there. Ultimately, they lose to the team that goes on and wins the Stanley Cup, right? So even though it was a first-round matchup, you easily could have been like a conference final right, with how good yeah. both of those teams are. So series, at least this yeah. year, it looks like we're going to get it in the second round. If we do get it, it won't be so early. Uh, you know, Maybe teams like the Leafs or the Bruins have other plans and they, they want to throw a wrench into it. But it, it does certainly feel like we're on a collision course for the the Battle of Florida again. And I, I, I'm I all for it. Where do I sign?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, that's all that we got for you tonight. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you on the next one. This is the Tomahawk. We're out of here.